Section 43 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 3 Interrupted Conversations. The departure was made pleasantly. As soon as their valises and portmanteaus had been disposed of under and upon the benches, the passengers indulged themselves in that never-failing survey of the boat which seems obligatory, so habitual is it. Two of the travelers, the tourist and the Parisian, had never seen a steamboat before, and from the very first stroke of the paddle-wheels they admired the foam. Then they admired the smoke. They examined, piece by piece and almost strand by strand, as they lay upon the deck and lower deck, all the maritime apparatus of rings, hooks, clamps, bolts, which, in virtue of their precision and adjustment, are a sort of colossal jewelry, iron jewelry gilded with rust by the tempest. They made the circuit of the little signal gun lashed on the deck. Chained up like a watchdog, remarked the tourist, and covered with a blouse of tarred canvas to prevent it from taking cold, added the Parisian. As they left the land they exchanged the usual observations on the view of St. Malo. One passenger enunciated the axiom that approaches from the sea are deceptive, and that at a distance of a league no coast so closely resembles Ostend as Dunkirk. He completed what he had to say on Dunkirk by this remark, that its two lightships, painted red, were called one the Reutingen, the other the Maradique. St. Malo grew smaller in the distance, then disappeared. The sea was perfectly calm. The wake, which stretched out behind the ship, almost without a curve, as far as the eye could reach, formed a long street fringed with foam. Guernsey is in the middle of a straight line drawn from St. Malo in France to Exeter in England. A straight course at sea is not always practical. Nevertheless, steamers have it within their power, to a certain extent, to follow the straight course which is denied to sailing vessels. The sea, complicated by the wind, is a combination of forces. A vessel is a combination of machinery. Forces are infinite machines. Machines are limited forces. It is between these two organisms, the one inexhaustible, the other intelligent, that the combat called navigation is waged. A will in a mechanism furnishes a counterbalance to the infinite, the infinite also contains a mechanism. The elements know what they do and whither they go. No force is blind. Man must watch these forces and seek to discover their laws. Until the law is found, the struggle continues. And in this struggle, steam navigation is a sort of perpetual victory won by the human race every hour in the day at all points on the sea. Steam navigation has this admirable point about it, that it disciplines the ship. It lessens the obedience demanded by the wind and increases their obedience to man. Never had the Durand worked better at sea than on that day. She behaved admirably. Towards eleven o'clock, with a fresh breeze from the nor-nor-west, the Durand was in the open sea off the Marquière, under little steam, sailing to the west on the starboard tack and as near the wind as possible. The weather was still fine and clear, 
but the travelers were coming inshore. Little by little the sea was cleared of vessels, as though every one were thinking of regaining port. It could not be said that the Durand held exactly her accustomed course. The crew thought nothing of it. Their confidence in the captain was absolute. Still, through the helmsman's fault, perhaps, there was a little deviation from the course. The Durand appeared to be steering towards Jersey rather than towards Guernsey. A little after eleven o'clock the captain rectified the course, and they steered straight for Guernsey. Only a little time had been lost. In short days lost time has its inconveniences. There was a fine February sun. Tangrui, in his present state, was no longer very steady on his feet, nor very strong in the arm. The result was that the worthy helmsman frequently got off the course, which slackened the speed. The wind had almost died out. The Guernsey passenger, who had a telescope, pointed it from time to time at a little tuft of grayish mist, slowly borne by the wind along the extreme western horizon, and which resembled dusty wool. Captain Clubin wore his usual austere, puritanical expression. He appeared to redouble his watchfulness. All was peaceful and almost joyous on board the Durand, and the passengers chatted. By shutting one's eyes during a sea voyage, one can judge of the state of the sea by the tremolo of the conversation. Full freedom of mind on the part of the passengers corresponds to perfect tranquillity of the water. It is impossible, for example, that a conversation like the following should take place under any other conditions than a very calm sea. Do look, monsieur, at that pretty green and red fly. Well, it is lost at sea and is resting on the vessel. A fly does not soon get fatigued. In truth, it is so light, the wind carries it. An ounce of flies has been weighed, sir, and afterwards counted, and there were found to be six thousand two hundred and sixty-eight. The Guernsey man with the telescope had approached the St. Malo cattle dealers, and their chat was something in this style. The Obrac ox has a round, thick-set body, short legs, and tawny hide. He works slowly because of the shortness of his limbs. In that respect, the sailor's ox is worth more than the Ambrac. Monsieur, I have seen two fine oxen in the course of my life. The first had short legs, a thick forepart, a full rump, large haunches, a good length from the nape of his neck to his tail, a good height to his shoulder, easy movements, and a loose skin. The second showed all the signs of judicious fattening, a thick-set body, strong neck and shoulders, slender legs, a white and red coat, a sloping rump. That's the contenton breed, yes, but having some connection with the Angus or the Suffolk bull. Believe me, if you will, sir, but in the South they have competitive donkey shows. Of donkeys? Of donkeys, as I have had the honor of telling you, and it is the ugly ones which are considered handsome. Then it is as with the mules. The ugly ones are the good ones. Precisely. The point de bain mare, big belly, coarse limbs. The best she-mule known is a barrel on four poles. Beauty in beasts is not the same thing as beauty in men. 
and above all in women. That is true. For my part, I hold that a woman should be pretty. I maintain that she should be well-dressed, yes, neat, clean, with care, with some style, with a perfectly new look. A young girl should always seem to be just from the jeweler's shop. Uh, to return to my oxen, I saw those two oxen sold at the market at Thuar. I know the market of Thuar, the Bonheur of La Rochelle, and the Babou, the wheat dealers of Maron. I do not know whether you have heard them mentioned. Must go to that market. The tourist and the Parisian were talking with the American coal porter. Here also the conversation was on fair-weather topics. Sir, the tourist was saying, the following is the floating tonnage of the civilized world. France, 716,000 tons, Germany, 1 million tons, the United States, 5 millions, England, 5 millions, 500,000. Add the contingent of the secondary powers, total, twelve millions nine hundred and four thousand tons distributed among one hundred and forty-five thousand ships scattered over the waters of the globe the american interrupted it is the united states sir which have five millions five hundred thousand i agree to that said the tourist you are an american yes sir i agree again a silence ensued the American missionary asked himself whether this was a case for offering a Bible. "'Sir,' began the tourist again, "'is it true that you have such a taste for nicknames in America that you disguise all your celebrated men in them, and that you call your famous Missouri banker Thomas Benton Old Ingot?' Note, Old Bullion the same as we call zachary taylor old zack and uh, general harrison old tip do you not and general jackson old hickory because jackson is as hard as hickory wood and because harrison whipped the redskins at tippecanoe that is a byzantine fashion that you have uh, it is our way we call van buren the little wizard Seward, who introduced fractional currency, Billy the Little, and Douglas, the Democratic senator from Illinois, who is four feet high and very eloquent, the little giant. You may travel from Texas to Maine, and you will not find a person who will speak the name Cass. They say the great Michigander, nor the name Clay. They say the miller's boy with the scar. Note, the mill-boy of the slashes. Clay is the son of a miller. I should prefer to say clay or cass, remarked the Parisian. It is shorter. You would be out of fashion. We call Corwin, who is secretary of the treasury, the wagoner's boy. Daniel Webster is Black Dan. As for Winfield Scott, as his first thought, after having beaten the English at Chipway, was to seat himself at table, we call him quick a plate of soup. Note, a hasty plate of soup. The tuft of mist in the distance had grown larger. It now occupied on the horizon a segment of about fifteen degrees. 
one would have thought it a cloud which for lack of wind was dragging along on the water there was hardly any breeze now the sea was smooth although it was not yet noon the sun had grown pale it lighted but no longer warmed i think we are going to have a change of weather said the tourist perhaps we shall have rain said the parisian or fog added the american in italy said the tourist the least rain falls at mofetta and the most at tolmezzo at noon the bell rang for dinner according to the usage of the archipelago any one dined who wished some passengers carried their provisions with them and ate gaily on deck clubin did not dine as they ate the conversations continued the guernsey man having a scent for bibles approached the american the american said to him do you know the sea certainly i belong here so do i said one of the st malo men the guernsey man signified his assent with a nod and continued we are in the open sea now but i should not have liked the fog while we were off the manquier the american said to the st malo man the islanders are more at home on the sea than the people of the coast that is true we coast people only have half a dip in the salt water what are the manquiers continued the american the st maloan replied they are very ugly rocks there are also the grelets remarked the guernsey man parbleu replied the st maloan and the choas added the guernsey man the man from st malo burst out laughing so far as that goes said he there are also the sauvage and the monks observed the guernsey man and the duck exclaimed the st maloite monsieur rejoined the guernsey man politely you have a reply for everything malouin malin st malo men are cunning having made this repartee the st malo man winked the tourist interposed a question must we pass all that collection of rocks not at all we have left it at the south-southwest it lies behind us and the guernsey man went on taking big rocks and small the grelets have fifty-seven points and the manquier forty-eight said the st maloan here the dialogue was confined to the st malo man and the guernsey man it seems to me monsieur de st malo that there are three rocks which you have not included i am reckoning them all the dere at maitre island yes and the maison which are seven rocks in the middle of the maquire yes i see that you know those rocks if i did not know rocks i should not belong to st malo it is pleasing to hear the arguments of frenchmen the st malo man saluted in his turn and said the savages are three rocks and the monks two and the duck one the duck indicates that it is only one no for the soir is four rocks what do you call the soir asked the guernsey man what you call the chua we call the soir it is not safe to pass between the chuas and the duck that is possible only to birds and to fish not too easily in heavy weather they get knocked against the walls well, there is sand in the maquier around the maison houses they are eight rocks which are visible from jersey 
from the beach of Azette, tis true, not eight, only seven. At low tide, one can walk about among the Manquiers. No doubt there is land left bare. And the Dirouilles? The Dirouilles have nothing in common with the Manquiers. I mean to say that they are dangerous. Well, they lie in the direction of Grenville. It is evident that you men of St. Malo, like us, are fond of navigating in these seas. Yes, replied the St. Malo man, with this difference, that we say we have a habit of, and you say we are fond of. You are good sailors. I am a cattle dealer. Who was that famous man from St. Malo? Sirof. What other? Duguay Trouin. Here the Parisian commercial traveler intervened. Duguay Trouin? And he was taken by the English. He was as amiable as he was brave. He managed to please a young Englishwoman. It was she who procured his liberty. At that moment a voice of thunder shouted, Thou art drunk! End of chapter 3 Interrupted Conversations